In this week's parsha, it talks about a korban mincha. So it says, "V'nefesh kisakriv korban mincha." If a person will bring a korban mincha, and it uses the term korban in regards to the mincha, which is different than it uses in all the other ones, it just simply names the type of korban that it is, and it doesn't necessarily call it by the term korban. Why does it use the term korban here? So the Gemara says. Actually, Teres Kainim says that if we learn from this use of the term carbon that you can also bring as a carbon all the components of the mincha. So you can use oil as a separate carbon, you can bring wine as a separate carbon, you can bring wood as a separate carbon, and levaina, frankincense, as a separate carbon as well. And it goes on to say that since we learn this from the carbon mincha, and the carbon mincha can only be brought, an individual carbon mincha can only be brought, a, a donation carbon mincha can only be brought by one person. You can't have a bunch of people bringing the carbon mincha together. Although in other carbonists, you are allowed to do that. So just like you can't bring a carbon mincha only as an individual, so also the carbon of wood can only be brought as an individual. As well as, of course, wine and levaina and uh, oil as well have to be brought only as an individual. So the question is, we find the story that there was a, what was called in the Beit Samikdash the celebration of the wood, the carbon of the wood. What, what happened? When the Yidin came back from Bovel to, to rebuild the second Beit Samikdash, there wasn't, and they found that there was not enough wood. They didn't have enough wood, so therefore there were certain families, nine families came forward and they donated the wood that was needed for the Mizbeach. So therefore they instituted, the prophets at the time instituted that every single year from then on, these nine families would be given the opportunity to donate the wood and to bring the carbon eitzim, and that uh, this was a day which they celebrated and they were not allowed to fast on that day, they were not allowed to eulogize on that day. It was a celebration for those nine families. So then we see that there was a carbon of wood that was brought as a communal thing from the entire family. There were the family as a gen, as in its in entirety, in its entirety, brought the carbon of wood. So how could you bring a carbon of wood as a communal thing together, many people together instead of just one person alone? And you can't say that the answer is that he, there are two different things. There is when, an, when somebody wants to bring a carbon of wood as a carbon, that's what's considered a carbon of wood, which is similar to the carbon mincha, and you can only have one person do that. But here they were donating to the needs of the marocha, to the needs of what the Beis Amigdash needed in order to burn the fire on the Mizbeach. So that wasn't really a carbon. And therefore they could do that as a, you know, together, a few people together. You can't say that that's the answer because they're using the posik which is said in regards to these nine families in the Tanakh, where it tells that story. So over there it's called Karban, Kurban Eitzim, the carbon of the wood. And that's where the Gemara brings together the two subjects, the carbon of the wood, which has to be, which is learned from Mincha, and that carbon eats, and so we see that the Gemara does relate it to each other, and that it's not two separate things. So, in regards to the carbon eats, and the Gemara brings a machloikis, the, the, the Mishnah, the carbon, the word carbon in our parsha, malamed. From here we learn shemisnadvim eatsim that you can also give a donation of eatsim as a carbon, as the pasuk says, 
the story from the second base Amigdash that they uh, they they made lots about when the which period each one of these nine families would be able to donate in the future, and it's called the carbon Eitzim. So we see that the carb the wood is called the carbon. That's the opinion of the Rabbana. Rabbi says that Eitzim, <coughs> the wood is a carbon, and because they're a carbon. And, we, and similar to the carbon mincha, as we said before, that is learned from the Pasuk in our parasha, therefore it needs to have salt like every other carbon. It needs to be brought close to the Mizbeach, just like a regular carbon mincha. And then the Rav and Rav Papa say that in addition to that, you also have to take kmitza, which was something that you did for a carbon mincha. The Kayim would scoop with his three fingers um, from the flour. So you have to do this for the wood too. You, they would have to grind up some of the wood and he would take some kmitzah, some a small a fistful of wood and burn it on the mezbeach and then the rest would be burnt on the mezbeach as well. Just like by a carbon, uh, by a carbon mincha. And the Rav Papa said that because the carbon, every carbon needs wood upon which it's burned, so this wood has to be burnt on the wood of the, of the mezbeach. In other words you won't say that just because the wood is already wood no, it has to have wood to burn it upon in other words, it's treated literally like a carbon mincha but the Rabbanan don't require all of that even though they consider it to be a carbon so we have to understand what is the basis what's the machlekes between the Rabbanan and Rebbe in this matter now in regards to the carbon eitzim that we mentioned that of the families that were brought that is mentioned Masech we find a machlekes between the Rambam and the Ritva in regards to the what, what exactly was this carbon eitzim. The Rambam says that the, the wood that was brought was brought as a donation for the needs of the Mizbeach. The carbon that it talks about was they brought carbonus, like a carbon oila, along with that donation. And that's what's called the carbon eitzim. The car, it wasn't meant a carbon out of wood it was meant a carbon that came along with the wood so the eitzim, the wood was not literally a carbon it was donations to the Beis Amigdash for the needs of carbon in the future and along with it they brought other carbonus but the Ritva says no the Ritva says that from the wood that they donated they would take a small portion of it and bring it as a carbon upon the Mizbeach that was brought as a carbon on that day on the Mizbeach as we know that you can bring a carbon out of wood, as we know that. So therefore, that's what it was. It was literally a carbon of wood. So this also has to be understood. How, according to the Rambam, why does he say that it was a separate carbon that came along with the wood, whereas the Ritva says that it was actually the wood itself that was the carbon? So perhaps we can explain it this way. To explain the machlekes between the Rabbanan and Rebbe, whether the the carbon of wood is literally a carbon, as Rebbe says, and it has every detail of a carbon attached to it, or do we say it's called a carbon, but it doesn't have to have, doesn't have to conform to every aspect of a carbon uh, mincha, as we said before. How do we explain that? we can say that this is a lishitose, which means they go according, they have a certain understanding of a certain situation, which carries them through many, many different disagreements throughout Shas, as we'll soon explain, but we'll just explain in regards to this case right now. And that is, according to Rebbe, when the Torah uses a term, or when people use a term, or when the Chazal use a term, when, whatever 
you want to attach that term to has to uh, conform to that term in every single detail, in every way possible. The term has to apply in every way possible. The Rabbanos say, no, as long as some aspect of the term fits to another situation, it can be included in that term as well. And that's the basis of the Machlaikas here. Since we learn from carbon mincha, from the word carbon, that wood is also called a carbon, it has to conform to the word carbon in every way. Therefore, if you bring a carbon out of wood, it has to have every detail of a carbon. According to the Rabbanan, they say, no, it's called a carbon in a general sense. You're going to be burning it on the Mizbeach. That's enough to call it a carbon. It doesn't have to be the same as a carbon mincha in every single way. And therefore, if we look at the carbon eitzim, as the Rabbanan do, that it was just a carbon that was bo- it was a donation to the uh, to the base of Migdosh, and they burnt it on the base on the mizbeach, and that's why it's called a carbon in a general sense. Therefore, it's difficult to say that because they gave a donation to the base of Migdosh of wood, they don't they're not allowed to fast on that day, they're not allowed to eulogize on that day. It becomes a whole celebration for the family. It doesn't seem like such a big deal. Therefore, the Rambam says. Therefore, they, it was, they brought along another carbon together with it. And because of that other carbon, that's why, they, that's why they weren't allowed to fast. That's what made it into a celebration. And the carbon that came along with it, it's called the carbonates, because it came along with the wood that they, uh, that they donated to the base of Migdash. But if you go according to the, to the Rebbe, which says that it was literally a carbon. Therefore, the Ritva says it was enough to put it onto the Mizbeach. They burnt a part of it on the Mizbeach, and it was literally a carbon, and therefore, they, it was enough of a celebration. That was enough to make it into a celebration. Therefore, the Rambam says, there was no problem that they should give it as a donation um, it, of many people together, because that was not the carbon of it. That was just a donation. The carbon of the carbon oil, of course, is permitted to, you, many people can join in to give a carbon oil of an animal. On the other hand, according to the Ritva, we would have to say that the donation that they gave, the donation to the Beis Migdosh was given the whole family together. But the small carbon that they brought on the Mizbeach itself, each one had to donate individually the wood for that particular carbon. They couldn't bring it as a family together. So now to, to explain this Lushitose in, many, in six different places in Shas and each one of the uh, Seder Storim of the Mishnah. Starting with Zeroyim. In the Sechta Baruchas there's a Machlegis that goes like this. The reading of Shema, does it have to be read in Lashon Kaidish? Rebbe says yes, it has to be read as it's written. The Chachamim say that it can be read in any language at all. What does the Machlekes boil down to? Rebbe says that when you... It says that you should... These are the words that you should say when you get up. It has to be exactly as it's written. These are the words. This is called the reading of the Shema. Only in Lashon Kaidish. The Chachamim say no. It conf- if you're talking about the subject of what is brought in the parshas of Shema, then you've read Shema. It doesn't have to conform to every single detail. And even though the Gemara gives psukim from which Rebbe learns that it has to be in Hebrew and the uh, Chachamim say from, from another Pasuk we learn that it could be in any language. But that, since both psukim exist, why is it that Rebbe chose to focus on this one and the Chachamim chose to focus on the other one? 
that means that there is something, some reason behind it which drives Rebbe to put most of the emphasis on this Pasuk and the Chachamin to put the emphasis on the other Pasuk and that is because that's how they view the general situation of how do you have to treat something that is said in the Torah and therefore each one relies on the other Pasuk but it goes back to the same uh, reasoning then we find a Seydim Moyed in the Sechta Sukkah Rebbe said that any Sukkah that doesn't have four Amas by four Amas which is the size of uh, the, the minimum size of a house is possible. The Chachamim say that it, as long as your head and your torso fit in, even though you're sitting on the floor, you can eat in there. Well, that's only seven tvachim by seven tvachim. What's the basis of the Machlegas? The Torah says, you shall dwell in the Sukkah for seven days. So which, from which we learn that Teishu came to Duru, you should dwell in it as if you live there. So the question is, when you say you live there, Rebbe says, it's as if you live there. So therefore it has to be a house, the minimum size of a house, that you're able to live in. The Chachamim say, no, it doesn't have to be literally like a house. It has to be ke'en taduru, has to have some element of living in it. So if you can sit there and eat in there, that means that, you, that you're fulfilling the mitzvah of sukkah, therefore that's enough for the size of the sukkah. We find also in, in Seyda Noshim, in uh, regards to a get, let's say, it says, um, there's a machlegus between Rebbe and the Rabbanon. Rebbe says that if somebody says, Al-Menas, I'm, I'm, let's say he says, I'm giving you your divorce, he says to his wife, here's your get, it is Al-Menas, on the condition that you will give me $200. And it took a week for her to give the $200. The question is, when does the get take effect? Does it take effect as of now from the time that he gave it or does it take effect from when she gave the $200 in other words she was married for the whole week and she only becomes divorced at the end of the week so Rebbe says that if you say Al-Manas it's as if you said it's from now that it's effective retroactively to the time that I gave it the Chachamim say the Rabbanon say no that it's from then from when you fulfill the condition what's the basis of the Machlekes? Rebbe says that it, things have to be taken literally. When I give the get now, when the husband gives the get now, the giving of the get is what makes the get. And therefore, that's when the get takes place. The giving is the important part. It's to be taken literally. The fact that he said, Al-Manas, that you have to fulfill a condition, so that's as if he said, but however, it takes place now once you fulfill the condition. The Chachamim say no. When you give the get, you don't have to take that literally just because he gave it now, therefore it has to happen now. He never said that it has to be, it's going to be retroactively. He made a condition. Therefore, even though saying that it's going to take effect later, a week later, undermines, compromises the giving of it now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to conform to the giving of the get in every single way. He gave the get, it'll take place later. In Seder Nizikin, in Mesechtes Anhedim, we find that if a discussion is follows, the, there is a concept called Me'ila, which means if somebody uses something that belongs to the Beis Amigdash, anything that belongs to the Beis Amigdash has a sanctity to it, which nobody else is allowed to use. And if you violate that, the Torah talks about if somebody violates it B'Shoigeg inadvertently, then first of all you have to bring a carbon. And also you have to pay back 1.25, in other words, 25% more than you took, than you used. 
but the Torah only talks in terms of b'shegig. What happens if you did it b'mezid? Knowingly, you violated the Torah. Doesn't explicitly discuss that. So the question becomes: What happens if somebody did it deliberately? So machleik is between Rebbe and the Rabbanon. Rebbe says, if somebody does that, he's chayev misa b'deshemayim. It's death by the hand of heaven. The Chachamim say that there's no death by the hand of heaven. It's just like violating a negative mitzvah. What is the basis of the Machlekes? said, if there's a Gzeir Shava, which means you find two key words. There's one key word uh, which has in it the word chet, sin, which is found by Me'ila. There is another word, chet, which is found by eating of truma, if somebody that is not permitted to eat truma, ate truma. So just like the penalty for eating truma when you're not permitted to eat truma is death by the hand of heaven, so also from the Gzeir Shava we learn that eating, that uh, using me'ila, some say eating uh, something that belongs to the base of me'ila, some say even using it in any way, you're chayiv misa as well, says Rebbe. However, the Rabbonon say, even though it's true that that Gzeir Shava is to be applied to show that there is a violation that the Torah prohibits doing it deliberately, doing me'ilib deliberately, otherwise you wouldn't even know that. But it doesn't have to conform to the every sense of what happens when you eat truma, because in fact there's a word by truma which says, if somebody eats truma when they're not permitted to, they will die by it, by, as a result of it. So we learn from the word by, the Chachamim say, that it only applies to truma, but death penalty doesn't apply, death by the hand of heaven doesn't apply to other places, like let's say to me'ila. And therefore they say it doesn't really apply to me'ila because it conforms to the Xayr Shava, but it doesn't have to conform in every single sense of what happens by truma, especially that the Torah says boy and therefore excludes me'ila from the death penalty by mazid. We also find two machlegas in between Rebbe and not the Rabbonon, but an individual. So we could say that it goes according to the same line of thinking. That is, in say the Kachim, in the Sechta Menachas, there is a question if, if whether you can make the Kalim of the Beis Hamikdash out of wood. Or does it have to be only metal? Rabbi says that wood is disqualified, it has to be only metal. And Rabbi Yisib, Rabbi Yehuda says that you can also make it out of any other material, let's say wood. It doesn't have to be metal. What's the basis of the Machlaikas? There's two ways of darshaning, of expounding certain psukim. One is called a klaloprataklal, which means when the Torah gives names something in a very general term, inclusive of many things and then it gives you a detail and then it goes back and gives you the general term as we'll soon give the example and then there is what's called ribui, miyut and ribui which means the Torah gives a word which includes everything and then it limits it to only one specific thing and it goes back and includes everything again so there are two different ways of applying that limut so they apply, they have a machlekes about how to apply it. There is a pasuk that says, you shall make a menorah, in regards to the menorah of the, of the mishka. So when you say you shall make a menorah, that means the menorah can be made out of anything, any material. Then it says, zav Torah has to be from gold, pure gold. That limits it to only pure gold. Then it says again, miksha te'osa menorah, the menorah, which means that the menorah of any material can be made, has to be made in a certain way. 
So what do you ha- what do you do with all this? When you have a klal or prato klal, the rule is that you can include other things as well. It doesn't have to be limited only to the thing that was detailed in the prat. In this case, it would be gold. It doesn't have to be only gold because the Torah also says minayra, which means it could be made from other materials. But it has to be similar to the prat. So it has to be similar to the gold. Just like gold is metal, so also the menorah has to be metal. And the same applies to all kalim in the Beis Amigdash, that they have to be metal. That's if you learn it the klal or prat But if you learn it b'ribui, miyut ribui, the same thing. Menorah includes any type of menorah. Gold limits it to only gold. Ribui includes any other type of menorah. What's the rule there? We say that you can use it, we apply anything can be used. The miyot, the fact that it limited it, means it only limits one thing. There's one thing that, could, that has to be eliminated. What do we eliminate? It can't be cheres. It can't be earthenware. Because earthenware was considered to be the most substandard of all kalim. And therefore you wouldn't even put that on a human king's table. Certainly you're not going to use it in the base Amigdash. So the only thing that's eliminated is Klicheres, uh, but you could use a wooden one. So it comes down to the same achleikus. Rebbe says that it says gold. You have to be able to conform to gold in the best possible way. It's not possible gold, so at least it has to be metal. The Chachamim or Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda say says that as long as it conforms in one small way to what the Torah said, which is gold, meaning to say that it's not the most substandard thing, that's good enough. It can conform in that way, and that will be enough. And the last one, which is in, in Seder Taris, it says, the Chachamim imp- uh, imposed Tuma on every single place out of Israel. Every country out of Israel, when you go in there, you become Tame. And you have to go, you have to go through Tara in order to come back to a state of Tara to be able to enter the base of Migdash. What happens if somebody went into Chutzlaaretz uh, inside a box. Somebody carried him out inside a box. A box would act normally as a oil, which means you're protected. It surrounds you. It acts like a tent or a structure, which protects you from the tumor, from the tumor which is outside that tent. The question, the Rebbe says, if you go in a box out uh, out of Yisrael, you're tummy. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudha says, no, you're tar. What's the machlaikis? The question is, is a moving oil considered an oil? Rabbi says, that's not considered an oil. That doesn't protect you from tumah. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudha says, it does protect you from tumah. It boils down to the same thing. You need an oil in order to protect you from tumah. Usually an oil is fixed, is stationary. So Rabbi says an oil that is moving is not considered an oil. It doesn't conform to the term oil and therefore it doesn't protect you from Tumah. Rabbi Yisrael Rabbi Yehuda says it conforms to one aspect of oil which is it surrounds you and it, it sets its own space and you're inside that space away from the Tumah and therefore you're tar.